Yeah, yeah. So um, I originally th I thought I'd entitled the day the title of the theme of this day long was to be around reflection on impermanence, which I thought was rather ironic given the fire and the change in location. Um, and um, well, even though it's not titled that as the theme, uh, that will be one of the themes, as it always is in nature anyway, but even more so given the, the recent circumstances. <clears throat> I was, uh, uh, the last retreat that I sat as a student here, um, and of course, as teachers, we're always students first, teachers second. Um, the, at the end of the 10-day retreat, the monk Analio <clears throat> Uh, the closing talk, instead of giving a closing talk, was on climate change and the climate crisis and the ecological crisis, but particularly climate. And one of the things he said, it struck me, he said, when I look around here at Spirit Rock, I see this place burnt down. Not as a psychic, but as a, someone who knows ecological data and ecological facts that, uh, you know, because of the climate crisis and increasing warmer temperatures, there's a good chance that most forests we know and love will burn including this. And to think that that's not going to be the case uh, is uh, fantasy. So um, I just thought it was really interesting that three months later we have a forest fire on the hills that have we not had amazing first responders and helicopters dumping uh, whatever the fire retardants and just an incredibly uh, efficient uh, fire response, including our Woodacre uh, uh, fire service here. Um, good chance some of this, more of this, probably this would have burnt, I would imagine, if I were to come down the hill. <clears throat> so, um, anyhow, so here we are, um, and I do apologize uh, for you not knowing the change in venue for those of you who were either familiar with the retreats that I do up the hill, um, or um, were just imagining we'd be a little more further away from, you know, buildings and cars and whatnot. But here we are, and so we get to practice, as we do with anything in life, with the conditions that we're here with. Okay? So I, like many of you, was very disappointed, and I sort of pushed hard for like, really, we can't go up the hill, really, it's a 10-minute walk, we can do this, we can get out in time, you know, it's... Um, but I wanted to respect the concern and of the of the administration that they really didn't want to take that risk. It would have been very irresponsible, I think, to have had a hundred people up the hill given the circumstances. Um, so here we are in uh, what's called I forget what this meadow is called now. This this was actually the the site of the first uh, I remember the second administration building. Um, it's now. Uh, some kind of, I forget the name of the meadow that we're sitting in. And, um, and we have access to certain amounts of the property. There is a retreat going on, so we can't go up to the retreat area, but we can. there are a couple of trails we can walk on here. Um, I'll t tell more about, say more about that later. And um, so we get to practice with... Um, forget the name of this, uh, um, uh, basically medit uh, practice uh, meditating on the edge, on the edge of nature and urban 
development, spirit rock buildings, car park, cars, etc. Um, so, and we're also still in nature and surrounded by nature and trees and hills and breeze and light and summer and all of that. So, um, you know, so this is, you know, what, what I, one of the things I like about nature practice <clears throat> is that um, unlike going, say, into a temple, monastery, meditation cloister where we're somewhat secluded from experience, uh, nature practice is very much about opening and welcoming all experience. And sometimes that's experience we don't like like the sound of the garbage trucks who are working on Labor Day Monday. We should feel compassion for the poor guys who are working on Labor Day Monday, which should be a holiday, for example. Um, probably nobody here likes the sound of garbage trucks, unless you have some romantic, you know, nostalgic association, um, which I don't. <clears throat> and here it is. <clears throat> And so we get to practice with our mind, our mind that says, this is nature, and that stuff, that sound, that car, that tarmac, that building isn't. Right? So we get to see how we create duality in our mind. And of course, we may have preference to be in the wilds. I mean, mostly my retreats are in the wilderness, far from uh, so-called civilization, for, for good reason. And there's a reason why we go into the wild, into nature, far from uh, developed landscape. And here we are, right? So our practice is always twofold, meditation in nature, awaken the wild is twofold. One is cultivation of the mind through awareness, presence, mindfulness. And two, that tuning that awareness to the natural uh, world, to the landscapes. And so today, like in any practice I teach, we'll, we'll work with both. We'll work with our relationship and attunement to the natural world, and we get to work with our mind. And our mind, as we know, has strong preferences, and likes and dislikes, and wants and demands and needs, and judgments and rejections. And so the invitation uh, here, like with any practice really, but maybe a little more today, is can we welcome all of it? Okay. So just to give you a heads up about some other things that are happening today. So there's a retreat closing up the hill. So that there's been a, I think a nine day concentration retreat. So at some point, probably about 11.30, 11, 11 to 12, we'll hear people walking down the hill and they'll be excitedly talking because they haven't spoken for 10 days. <laughs> Hopefully they'll be told that there's a silent day long happening here, but you know, people like to talk, so they'll be talking. And then later in the day, um, I and uh, the rest of the teacher body here, there's gonna be a teacher retreat where the teachers are doing a retreat for the rest of the week. And so people will be arriving from mid-afternoon onwards um, for that retreat. So there'll be um, you know, some coming and going, as well as staff doing what they need to do, running this center. 
So um, I'm just saying that to give you a heads up of what, what's happening here. And, um, and, you have, and then, you, then what you do with your attention is really up to you. Right? So I'm, I, we, we did the best we could. We, we could have canceled the day, for one option. We chose not to. Um, partly because it was very late notice. Um, uh, I only heard about this, I think, Wednesday or even Thursday that we were changing venue, changing locations because the fire, I think, was only Tuesday. Right? So this is quite a rushed um, and then holiday weekend and all. So um, we chose to find the best place we could, which is the shadiest, right? Except me, apparently, is the only one who's not in the shade and I don't have a hat. So if anybody would like to loan me a hat, I'd be very happy. Thank you. That's great. What do we have? Riviera Maya, Mexico. Okay. <laughs> this is fine for now. Thank you. How do I do with red? It's important. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we chose the place that would be shady all day because that's the most, one of the most important things for me in teaching these retreats is that there's, there's a relative degree of comfort. Of course, there's always discomfort in nature. And um, flat, um, which is rare around here. And you get to face the... the 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 forest and I get to face the parking lot. So if you don't like the parking lot, then sit over here and face this way. Um, so so that's the lay of the land. Um, Having said all that, so I want to um, uh, begin again with what I started with, which was to begin to attune your attention to this landscape right? as, as it is, right? the light, the sounds, colors, the shapes, the air, the energy, the, the feeling quality of this space. And the morning song of birds and insects And how this particular landscape touches you, affects you.
So opening up your senses and just really taking this landscape in this morning, this summer day. Maybe noticing or asking the question, does it really matter where we are when we go out into nature? Each place has its own beauty and sacredness and presence, energy stillness, silence. Emerson once wrote, adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience. Adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience. So we could just do what we just did all day. And in a way, that's really what we're going to be doing all day. <laughs> Sitting quietly, being aware, being in your senses, attuning to what's here, allowing yourself to be touched. And then just seeing what happens, what changes, what you notice, what impacts you. And then we use various meditation tools, techniques, methods, whatever you like to call them, to support our mind, our attention, to be more here. If, we, if, if that was the main instruction, which it kind of is, which I just gave you, which is basically Notice, pay attention, open your senses, be in your body and heart. If you could just do that perfectly, we wouldn't need Spirit Rock. You'd just be in your backyard or at the beach or in Golden Gate Park and just doing that swimmingly. But the reason we have these meditation centers is because, as you know, 
We can do that for a few seconds, a few minutes. If we're enraptured, maybe longer than that. But then what happens? We start thinking, wondering, and judging, and spacing out, and planning our meetings at work next week, and wondering how the kids are doing, and booking our next retreat at Spirit Rock, and <laughs> planning our lunch, and whatever other, you know, all the things that we do as human beings. So the nature practice is a combination of just being here in very simple, effortless, natural way, and then employing certain techniques that support the attention and a support a deeper engagement with the natural world and with ourselves. But less is more. So what did you notice in those last few minutes just as I invited you to just attune to what's here, whatever you're noticing, sounds, sensations, sights, feelings. Just shout out, what did you notice? How the light comes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pardon? The smell, of the, bay the smell of the bay trees, right. That lovely aromatic smell. Yes. The blue, blue sky. Yeah. Blue, blue. The breeze in the trees. Right. Stillness. Yeah. Beautiful still morning. Even with the breeze and the sounds, there's stillness. Flying things. Flying things. Right. Insects, planes, yeah. the bee on your toe, yes, the bee on your toe, a leaf floating down. Right. Uh -huh. Chirping of insects and birds. Shape of the maple, the silhouettes of the trees against the sky. Movement in the trees. Uh -huh. The layers of green, right? So many, some, it's the most profuse color on the planet is green. And here we're seeing innumerable shades of. Uh, the what? The blanket of leaves on the hill, right? The carpet, yeah. Was that hard to pay attention? Right. Did that feel easier than your usual meditation practice? <laughs> so I think of nature meditation practice a little bit as cheating, <laughs> but in a good way. Why, why not? Why not go somewhere where paying attention is easier? Right? Why suffer unnecessarily <laughs> indoors if, if it's supportive for you to be outside? Right? So for many of us, for me, I, my, mostly my practice is outdoors, has been for the last I don't know, 20, 25 years. 
And the reason I started teaching this practice is, one, I took my own practice outdoors. I did my own retreats outdoors, and then I thought it'd be good to share it because it was, for me, so joyful, so effortless, so insightful, so profound, so beautiful, so easeful, connecting, uh, accessible. A lot of the wisdom teachings that you hear from Buddhism and all the great uh, wisdom traditions, very accessible in nature. All the many, many, if not all of the great mystics at some point have gone to the woods, the mountains, the desert, the caves to draw inspiration, to learn, to listen, to find their own nature through nature. So we're joining this great tradition from at least in this in the Buddhist tradition for the last twenty six hundred years, the Buddha meditated in the forest, got enlightened under a tree, died under a tree, was born in the forest, gave many of his great teachings in the forest, and for hundreds, if not thousands of years, his followers, monks, nuns, practiced in the forest, even now in Thailand and Sri Lanka, some of the great monasteries are in the forest in the jungles. And in the Himalayas, in Nepal, and Tibet. I just came back from Bhutan, which is uh, in the lower Himalayas, and um, yeah, visiting beautiful monasteries perched in these impossibly high c- cliffs and very deep, deep uh, um, contact with the natural world. So I like to start my retreats with a poem from the Ute peoples. Ute peoples are First Nations people that live now in the Southwest. And here we've of course had First Nations people living in these valleys for thousands of years. Various tribes over the centuries, over millennia. And who lived very much connected deeply, intimate with this land. And so in honor of that, I'd like to share this teaching. It's called uh, prayer, earth prayer. And it points to how anything and everything in nature is a vehicle for uh, uh, wisdom and awakening. And it goes like this. Earth, teach me stillness as grasses are stilled with light. Earth, teach me suffering as old stones suffer with memory. Earth, teach me humility as blossoms are humble with beginning. Earth, teach me courage as the tree which stands all alone. Earth, teach me limitation as the ant which crawls on the ground. Earth, teach me freedom as the eagle which soars in the sky. Earth, teach me caring as the mother who tends to her young. Earth, teach me to surrender as the leaves which fall in autumn. Earth, teach me regeneration as the seedling which rises in spring. 
Earth, teach me to remember kindness as rain drenches dry fields. And Earth, teach me to forget myself as melted snow forgets its life. So beautiful teachings. And we could add our own verses. Earth, teach me to remember awe as sunlight drenches green leaves. Earth, teach me to feel connection as the birds which sing from the treetops. And you could add your own, maybe that's your homework for today. The first line, Earth, teach me And what is earth teaching you today? Always teaching us. Maybe it's earth teaching me to weep as the grief of the earth touches my heart. Maybe it's who knows what. So earth teach me. What's earth teaching you today? This is a perfect poem for our theme to today. This is from a poet, Bokanon. Life is a garden, not a road. We enter and exit through the same gate, wondering where we go matters less than what we notice. Where we go matters less than what we notice. It's put in another way by Jules Renard. If I had my life to live over again, I would ask that nothing be changed, but that my eyes be opened wider. I would ask that nothing be changed, but my eyes be opened wider. So what we're doing here is cultivation of mindful awareness. And in cultivating that awareness to then attune to ourselves and to the natural world. So may our eyes be open wide to whatever's here, whatever uh, beauty and wonder and tenderness is here. So I'll share various nature meditation practices that I do and have cultivated over the years, some sitting, some standing, some walking, some moving, sensory practices. And I never plan these days because I never know, well, like today, that would have been folly to have planned today, didn't know where we were going to be. And so the teaching is always related to the circumstances, the weather, the elements, so, um, so we'll start with some sitting meditation, but since you've been uh, sitting for a while, I'm going to suggest that you stand and just stretch a little and, and, and you might want to move if you want to change location, change which which um, which way you're looking, facing. There's extra cushions here in the front. 
if you brought your own sitting stuff, there's plenty of room here in the, on these mats. Oh, that'd be nice. Uh, is this, um, do we want this a little high or is that okay? It's fine. It's it's fine. fine. Okay. All right. I feel like I'm having to stoop down to, but it doesn't seem to want to stay. Okay. That seems good. I just, just tighten it. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. So stretching, whatever way you want to stretch, move. in finding your seat. Do we have enough chairs here? Does everybody who needs a chair have a chair? I think we could probably get more from the meditation hall if we need them. Raise your hand if you would like a chair or something to sit on you don't have a chair or a bench. Okay, so there is a chair over there. Anybody else? Raise your hand if you need a chair or a bench. There's some extra benches here. We could move that bench into the shade. Uh, okay, great. Um, yeah, not that I know of. Yeah. Okay, a meditation quiz for you <laughs> before we start. <laughs> What's the most important factor for concentration? Breath. Is that what I heard? I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep inviting you. Ease in the body. Po posture. Attention. Focused awareness. Letting go. Okay, one of you were close. <laughs> okay, quiz over. Uh, uh, relaxation. Relaxation, which ease in the body. You mentioned someone over there. Um, so starting with relaxation of the ease of the body. Right? So as much as you can, finding relative ease. Obviously, sitting outside is often not so comfortable. Um, but the more we invite the body to find some sense of ease, relaxation, and that actually our attention is supported by 
relaxed body and a relaxed mind. We tend to think of concentration in this culture as force, will, effort, trying, struggling, tightness. But actually when we relax, particularly in nature, particularly the, the way I'm going to orient you to cultivate attention today is very relaxed, open, spacious attention. What sometimes we call choiceless awareness, open awareness, some people call it open monitoring, some call it um, moment-to-moment attention. So, um, okay, second quiz for the day, or second test for the day. So we're going to do a practice uh, for one minute, and it's called complete unmindfulness meditation. <laughs> Which so the instruction is: don't pay attention, don't be aware, don't be mindful, don't make any effort, and uh, don't notice anything. Okay. Off you go. I'm going to make this official by ringing the bell. Okay, no noticing anything. a bell for those of you not noticing. <clears throat> so what did you notice in that not noticing? It's hard not to notice. It's hard not to notice. <laughs> right. You're always noticing something. Exactly. Awareness is always aware of something unless you're dead. And then who knows? Then who knows? <laughs> So this is the good news. If mindfulness, awareness, is always aware, is awareness is always aware, then what's the big deal with cultivating mindfulness if awareness is always present to something? This is a great koan. So the important question is, what are we aware of? What are we paying attention to? And where does our attention mostly go these days? Oh, here, prefrontal cortex. Actually, no, the 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 the, um, the midline, the uh, default mode network, which is the midline of the brain mostly. Rumination, self stories, narratives, worries, fears, dramas, memories, plans. That's what grabs most of our attention. So really, the only effort that's required today is to notice when your attention has become, as it ordinarily is, habitually consumed by our thoughts, worries, plans, fears, dramas. Noticing that, and kindly, as you would training a puppy, you let that particular rumination go, and then you invite attention to notice, oh, and what else is here? Oh, green sounds, light, breath, touching the earth, smell, fragrance, inhale, feeling calm, and on and on. That's really the only 
effort you need. The rest, you just need to relax and just see what you notice. So, finding a comfortable posture where you can sit relatively still. So, stillness of body supports stillness of mind. So, the less you fidget, the better. The less you try and swat away every thing that's touching you, fly, bug. So, sitting upright, if you're on chairs, try not to slouch too much, both feet on the floor. If you're sitting on the ground, having a stable base, knees, buttocks touching the cushion or the ground or your feet. And either lowering your gaze or closing your eyes. Invite the attention to sense, feel your physical bodily landscape. In particular, feeling and sensing the body, all the ways the body is touching the earth through your feet. Legs, knees, thighs, buttocks. Feel that intimate connection. Earth sitting on earth. With the earth's moving surface aware of itself. And sensing the rest of your body, releasing any unnecessary tension in the belly, the throat, the eyes, the face, the shoulders. Letting your body be heavy, feel, feeling the support of the ground. Aware of your skin, all the ways that the skin is in contact with the air, the warm air, the cool breeze, sunlight and shade. Feel the the sensitivity and receptivity of that large organ 
of the skin, touching, feeling temperature, breeze, And as we stay aware of our bodies, just as a way to arrive here in this day, to ground in our physical sensory experience. Also being aware of breath. Notice how the breath breathes itself. Effortless, natural, smooth or not. And as you inhale, aware of the quality of air, soft, fragrant, dry, aware of the warmer exhale. Notice where you feel those sensations of breath in the nostrils or in the chest and the rib cage expanding, lifting, falling, or the belly moving in and out. Mindful with each inhale we take in oxygen released from these trees, leaves, grasses, plants. As we exhale, carbon reabsorbed by these trees, grasses, plants. Each breath we take the same air element each breath we connect with all breathing life, all photosynthesizing life, not separate. As we sit here in the silence of the morning, we can also be aware of the sounds, the sounds in nature 
often inviting us back into this moment. So when your attention wanders, often will be called back with the sound of birds, crickets, insects, my voice. Allowing those sounds to be an invitation to being here. And each time you notice your attention has wandered, spaced out, lost in thought, daydreaming, that itself is a moment of mindfulness, awareness. So without judgment, we release wherever the mind has wandered to and reestablish awareness here, sitting, and aware of sitting, sensing, aware of sensing, breathing, aware of breathing, hearing, aware of hearing. And in this way we practice natural, relaxed, present.
Inviting that sense of relaxation and ease. And noticing if there's any simple pleasure, pleasantness, sweetness, joy that comes just from the simple act of sitting, stillness, nothing to do, nowhere to go, no one to be. Noticing whether it's more helpful for you to just have a simple focus for the attention, like the awareness of breath, allowing the attention to just feel breaths coming and going, or whether it's more supportive to allow more in an open awareness, present not just to breath, but other sensations, sounds, wider field of experience.
And as you sit sensing the presence of these trees, this forest, this land, and this sense of peaceful stillness invites that same quality in the body and mind. And in the last part of the meditation, if you so choose, I invite you to gently open the eyes and include awareness of seeing as part of your meditation. So not losing contact with your body or breath, sounds, but just including a broader sensory awareness. And noticing as the eyes are open, does that support present moment awareness? Or do you in some way leave yourself? So staying really subtle back in your body in awareness. So the eyes are more like windows, not binoculars. Receiving through the eyes allowing this landscape to come to you, to touch you, and the sounds to touch you. Allow the quality of presence, stillness to touch you. close with a <clears throat> poem from John Moffat, 
called to look at anything. He writes, to look at anything, if you were to know that one thing, you must look at it long. To look at this green and say, I have known spring in these woods would not do. You must be the thing that you see. You must be the fiery snakes of the stems and the scarlet plume of the leaves. You must enter into the small silences between the leaves. You must take your time and be the very peace they issue forth from. You must enter into the small silences between the leaves. You must be the thing that you see and take your time and feel the very peace they issue forth from. So there's lots of small silences between the leaves to attend to. That's a very particular kind of attention. So um, I noticed when I first came to the States, I don't think this is just an American phenomenon, but in terms of language, um, I would hear people say, yeah, I did Europe in a month. <laughs> I just came back from Europe. I was like, well, that's interesting. You did Europe. I wonder how you do Europe. Or I did Spain in two weeks. And so we're a culture of doers. We're busy doing in all the ways that we do. And so today, really, it's a it's a day of being, being, receiving, non-doing, really. And so mindfulness for me is a practice of deep listening. And deep listening is what creates sensitivity and attunement in nature. So, and that, so the, the sort of stepping stones are relaxation, embodiment, opening the senses, attuning to what's here, allowing yourself to be touched by nature, and then feeling what it's like to be touched or moved, however you are. And in that way, we enter into a reciprocal relationship. Not reciprocal, we enter into a relationship. Rather than doing something, you know, you know, I did the John Muir Trail. You know, I hiked, you know. It's like, well, did you? That's interesting. What was it like to be in relationship with that 192 miles of amazing landscape? Mm, that's a very different conversation. Okay, so we're going to uh, shift gears here. We're going to do some standing and walking practice. 
So I'm going to invite you to stand. Okay, so many ways, many postures to be in nature. Um, but before that, I need a volunteer. Heather, can I ask you anything? So many postures. So standing is a beautiful posture and walking is a beautiful movement and both great ways to be in nature and explore what it is to be mindfully aware in movement. So uh, standing meditation. Um, there's a lot of beings around here that know a lot about standing. They're called trees. They've been doing it a very long time. Some beautiful elders here, like the one behind us here, and all kinds of other ones. And um, let me see how many trees there are versus people. Well, um, we're gonna. I'm gonna give you a couple of options here. So, um, well, first, just be aware of standing. So, imagine you're a tree. Right? So your soles of your feet are just the beginning of your root structure. And as we know, much plant life, the root structures are as often deep, if not deeper and longer than the, they are above ground. So imagine you're, you're rooting into the earth, deep into the soil, into the rock. Feeling that sense of rootedness, groundedness with the earth. crown of your head lifting up to the sky like the canopy, and your arms like limbs, and not being uh, rigid, trees are fluid, flexible, always subtly moving, swaying, responsive. And noticing how your body is always in movement, even in stillness, it's moving. And so just being aware of what this posture is like. What's it like to be aware? Standing, your eyes can be open, 
or your gaze can be lowered, closed, either way. Sensing your skin, sensing your connection with this landscape. The breeze, the light, the sounds. We're a forest of human trees, rooted and swaying. And notice the quality of your attention. standing, hearing and aware of hearing, breathing, aware of breathing. Nothing else to do except be here and then noticing your response, your relationship, your attitude to what's here. Liking, not liking, judging, not judging, preferences, attachments, And so as the day warms up, as the activity increases here, being mindful of where you place your attention. And so there's a lot of nature here and there's a lot of human activity and sounds. And we have a choice where we place our attention to some degree. We can look at the canopy, we can listen to the bird song, we can feel the ground beneath our feet. Oh, we can also notice the mechanical sounds, the talking, and we can let those blow through us like the wind blows through the trees. Or we can have a lot of thoughts and reactions to that. And so just notice what arises in the field of your experience and where you place your attention and what your mind does with what it's attending to. So a couple of choices for the next practice. So you could either continue standing here, you could continue standing in the woods, finding a tree. We're surrounded by beautiful trees. Um, and so, um, I'm just aware I need to give a little lesson about poison oak. I'm not seeing any, but I know there's lots of it here at Spirit Rock. I don't see any nearby. Anybody standing next to some poison oak? Somewhere in there, yes. Um, 
Well, because of the poison oak situation, I'm gonna, we're going to do two options. One is standing, one is walking. So if you're not sure what poison oak is, come see me. And um, so, the other, so let me just give a few pointers about walking. So um, with walking practice, um, there's a few ways we do walking practice here in the insight meditation tradition. One is we simply walk up and down. We find you know, maybe like the length of this, this, these tops here, 20, 30 steps. You just simply walk up and down as a way to cultivate being present in your body as you move through a landscape. This isn't going for a hike. We might take a group walk later. This is more just finding a place to walk up and down, being in your body, being in your senses, sensing that each time your feet touches the ground, aware of the light, the changing shades, sounds, smells, movement around you. It's a lot more going on as we walk because the eyes are open. Generally, I'd suggest you have the eyes lowered so you're not too distracted. But of course, something might catch your attention like a leaf or a flower or a tree or the light. And you pause. You look up or you look down or whatever. Or you listen. And then you continue your walking. I'd like to demonstrate the walking, but I can't do it with this microphone. Maybe I can. Not that you need to know how walking happens, because I think you're all experts in walking, but um, you just find a place and you're just walking up and down quite naturally. Whatever pace most suits your ability to be present. And then when you find you're at the end of your walking path, you pause and you turn around. And the point of walking up and down is just a way to uh, remind us to return, to return, to return. We'll do another style of walking practice, which is meandering later, where you just let yourself meander. But for now, I'd suggest you walk up and down, whatever pace feels natural, or standing, or a little combination of the bo- both. The idea is just to be present in your body, in your senses, as you move and stand in the landscape. So we'll do this for about half an hour. I'll ring a bell um, in about 25 minutes, so that'll be... 10 to 12. Um, I would like to see a couple of so two volunteers, maybe Miranda and Lucia. Um, and also, um, if anybody has any questions about your practice, I'll stay here. And if anybody of you has some concerns that were expressed earlier about the location and the day and all that, then I'll also be here for that too. Other than that, please enjoy your walking and your standing. And if Jesse's here, I'd also like to say hello to Jesse.
can. Yeah. I just wonder if I can. It's very good to have this one. Okay, if I see. It's under your way.
So welcome back. So before we sit again, I just thought open it up for any comments, observations, questions. What's how's your practice going? Sitting here in the meadow, standing with trees, walking in the meadow, in the woods. Any comments, questions, smiles, challenges? Please. Okay, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to have us do, this is going to be a little more intimidating for those who want to say something, is I'm going to have you come up here and speak it into the microphone so I don't have to repeat it. You may sit. Thank you. Standing would be too intimidating. <laughs> so can you hear me? Uh, I just had a fun uh, revelation for myself of kind of attachment and ownership, so kind of some negative observations. Um, as I was going through the woods, I found this incredible spot, and it was just perfect, and I just was, I found it illuminating how quickly I attached myself to this spot. So it's kind of emblematic of how we do that all the time. And then similar, similarly, I'm here with several friends and I wanted to share my spot and I want to show them my spot later. And again, just the observation, how funny to get so attached so quickly and then also feel almost a sense of ownership of it, which I obviously don't have. Um, the sharing part is maybe pure, wanting you to see this pretty spot, but I'm sure you all found beautiful spots as well that are just as good as my spot. Thank you. So noticing the... Yeah, how quickly we go from noticing and seeing to liking to wanting to ownership to issuing passports to people crossing the path. And uh, that's how it happens, right? We go from that innocence to, you know, yeah, we, want, we, 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 we want to hold on to the pleasure or the beauty or the fleeting and then and, and, and own it. And of course, it's it's good to have a sense of humor about how we do that and hold it lightly. It's just very human nature. Um, and also lovely wanting to share it with, with, with friends. And um, yeah, but just very interesting to see. You know, for me, I like to talk about mindfulness as being two things. One is it's the, the, the process of observation. But the second is understanding the relationship to that which is known. Right? So in, in your case, noticing that, that movement to want to somehow hold on or own or possess or grab or cling, which is you know what the Buddha spoke to is really the, the root of human anguish, is a, a, our inability to simply be with experience without some kind of contentious relationship, either wanting it or similarly, conversely, if it's unpleasant, then the resistance, aversion, rejection. Yeah, so good noticing. Yeah. Yeah. What else did you notice? Comments, questions, please. I noticed that walking uh, and listening was very similar to walking and listening to a friend. And just trying to hear what what is said and what is being 
communicated. Nice. So coming into a relationship as we do with friends, and of course we're surrounded by friends here. Yeah, and having that curiosity and intimate interest and connection. Yeah, nice, nice. And listening to what's being said. And nature speaks in volumes. If we so, there's a line from Kabir who says. Uh, um, it, when the eyes and the ears are awake, when the eyes and the ears are awake, even the leaves on the trees read like pages from the scriptures. And if the eyes and the ears are awake, if they're not, we don't notice anything. Oh, nice tree. Cool. <laughs> Let me get a selfie. <laughs> It's very different than what you're talking about, this this relationship and listening, deep listening. Yeah, nice. Please. Um, the thing that I noticed most when I was walking around here was how many uh, how the, how it is so many different creatures' homes, how it's their homes. The different um, insects and reptiles and animals and plants and just noticing them all. Yeah, so thank you for saying that. So one of the things I, I like to mention I didn't, so I'm glad you brought that up, is that whenever we come anywhere in any landscape, we are coming into the home of many, many beings. Insects, lizards, birds, gophers, snakes, turkeys, and a whole variety of other two-legged, four-legged, multi-legged. And um, so we're here as guests, and so important to treat each, each, each being honorably as, as we would in someone's home. And knowing that there are innumerable beings aware of us, that we're unaware of their presence. You know, a hundred two-leggeds, you know, walking on the earth, right? It's felt the vibration from many, many creatures. So, nice. Any, any other, so any, any questions about your practice, about the sitting or the walking, standing, any challenges, anything you want to ask about? Please. I wanted to ask about how to stay in the body when I'm, you know, surrounded by nature and I get very curious and excited and really wanting to be interactive um, in an obviously gentle way, of course, but really, ah, but staying here, you know. Yeah, well, I think, I think being interactive physically is being embodied, is, is an embodied relationship, right? So, um I have a, in the Awake in the Wild book, which is what this work's based on, um, there's a chapter in there called From Observation to Engage Participation. And usually we walk through a landscape, and because our eyes are visually are dominant, we, you know, like this, this meadow, like we can walk by this meadow, and because we've seen it, we think we know it. Right? And that's just one very small fraction of experience. And so when we move from that observing to participating, touching, smelling, rubbing, 
lying on, leaning against, and all the ways that we can viscerally engage with the landscape, then it's a much more full-bodied knowing. So what I was also hearing in your question is how do you also stay sort of rooted here when the attention and excitement and curiosity goes out there, it's very easy to lose ourselves here. And um, you know, I think it partly takes uh, practice. Um, you know, we're generally externally oriented. Our, our attention, our senses are all, you know, orienting us for survival reasons externally. And so it's very easy to lose touch here, either whether it's because we're excited by something or afraid of something. And um, uh, yeah, so it's really a practice, and I'll be pointing that to that a lot today. Of just like the the what I alluded to in the meditation of the eyes being like windows. Right? Usually, our eyes are like those glasses you buy at the you know the fair where the eyes pop out, you know, springs. Right? Our eyes are like over there somewhere, and actually, but from a meditation perspective, we can be really present, eyes open, but really soft back receptive, and so we don't need to lose this awareness because the eyes, with the eye, we just let the the color and the light and the beauty be received. So it's a, it's a more passive, receptive quality. Um, you know, of course, when we get absorbed into something, our attention goes there. We don't always have to be, you know, aware here. But it's nice to continually check in and feel and sense. Oh, what what what's happening here, heart body, in response to this? Like when we sat this morning and we just just were quiet, looking around and sensing. Like you know, w- what's being felt here? You know, how does the stillness touch us? How does the light touch us? How does the air touch us? How does it, what does it evoke? And so it's just being cu- as curious here in the body as, as curious here. And so it's about being in relationship. Yeah. So, good. Please? If it's quick, you can shout it out. practice and I'm not sure exactly the right of, you know to just sit with that kind of discomfort sometimes or so so the injury means that you when you're walking it's uncomfortable slowly slowly I see so so don't walk slowly <laughs> if something causes you pain don't do it <laughs> yeah so when you want to walk at the pace that's most comfortable and some people that's normal pace, sometimes it's slow, sometimes it's fast. It doesn't matter. It just matters that you're present embodied as you're doing it. So simple. So simple. <laughs> Path of least resistant. If it causes pain, for the most part, you know. Well, this Buddha said, this pain that leads to the end of pain, this pain that leads to more pain. So we just have to be wise and discriminating about which one is which. <laughs> All right. Okay, thanks. Please. Is it okay to walk in a circle? Yeah, you can walk in a circle. That's fine. I mean, in Zen, generally, you walk in in the meditation hall, in the Zendo, and you walk around as a group, actually. Um, so, 
Yeah, and as I say, later we'll do meandering, which is you just let yourself let the body decide where it wants to meander and 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 wander to. So, um, yeah, ultimately, the forms are helpful, and they're also just training wheels to then learn how to live with that embodied attention. I like the walking up and down because each time I get to the end of the little runway, 20 steps, 30 steps, whatever it is, and I pause and there's a, re- a regathering, recentering, and recollecting. And usually we've spaced out by the time we get to the end, to be honest. So you turn, turn walk around, turn around. Okay, this, this particular set of steps, I'm going to really practice just feeling my feet or sensing my breath or tuning to whatever. And so it's it's like a reset every 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 time you go up and down. Other questions, challenges, please, Steve. So there's um, mostly when I meditate, it's you know in a quiet place um, with my eyes closed, and out here there's so much more stimulus when you're walking around that you know I, I'm. I'm noticing, I'm noticing balance, I'm noticing temperature, I'm noticing the wind, I'm noticing colors, I'm noticing, I'm, I'm naming things in, in my mind, <laughs> like flower or weed or things like that. So it's uh, definitely more distraction or something going on. Yeah, so the comments about with walking note and just being in nature in general, there's a lot more sensory stimuli and, um, you know, times labeling it. And, um, so the, the question really is, it's not a, it's not a distraction. Well, depending on what the intention for the practice is. So if your attention, if your focus is to, pay attention to the breath, then everything else you could consider as a distraction. But if your attention, if your intention is to be present with the flow of experience, breath, body, sounds, sensations, feelings, perceptions, uh, sight, etc., then it's just, you're, then you're just being present moment to moment with changing experience. So the walking is in that vein of present to the moment-to-moment stimuli, which might be sensations of walking, but it also might be hearing, it might be listening to the crunching of the leaves, it might be seeing the flower, seeing the bird, feeling the breath, noticing a thought, lifting the foot, touching the ground, feeling bored, noticing hunger, planning lunch, noticing grass, right? That's just, that's that's human experience. So, so mostly, um, when innate practicing outdoors, it's more conducive to have that wide open lens of attention where you're just present to the flow of experience. Indoors, where there's not much stimuli, supports that more quieter, concentrated focus, particularly, say, on the breath, because there's not, not a lot else going on, you know, except your mind, which is crazy, and that's a whole other story. But... Um, so, so rather than struggle with trying to bring the mind to a single point outside, uh, that's why I keep emphasizing relaxation, openness, 
on what I call a 360 awareness, where you're just present to the whole field of experience, which is what kind of we are doing naturally anyway when we go for a hike or we're sitting on a bench in a park or at the ocean. We're just you know, aware of the sights and the views and the clouds and the smells and the... Right? So, we're, so we're using everything as a support for being embodied and present moment aware. Yeah. So, in, and from that perspective, nothing's a distraction. You know, you might be walking and suddenly you see a beautiful bird and your eye follows the bird. Now you're present to seeing. And then you're walking on these leaves and it's crunch, 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 and you're aware of hearing and maybe a memory of being a kid and running through autumn leaves. And that brings a smile and you're aware of smiling and a sense of nostalgia. And then you come back to the... F- sound and you know and then you see someone's like oh it looks like auntie joe and how auntie joe's doing and how the operation okay walking crunching seeing spirit rock touching breathing right on it goes um yeah so the the challenge with that open or open style of awareness open attention is that it's easy to go from being present to the flow of experience to just spacing out or getting lost in a thought about something. And so it's helpful to have a ground or an anchor like we do in most practices, body being a good anchor, breath being a good anchor, sounds can also be a good anchor. And by anchor, I mean a home base for the attention. So it's, so it's, it's open, but there's, there's some taproot that's keeping you somewhat tethered here, moment to moment. Anything else burning? Questions? Observation. Observations about your practice? No. Yeah, what's your observation? So the comments about just noticing the trees and all the tenacity of life, the the variety of you know what's looked like branches are actually trees and how they grow differently and supported by this the soil and softness of the landscape and yeah a lot of good metaphor for how life grows and adapts and is resilient and changes and. Yeah. Alrighty, so let's do some more sitting practice. So finding a comfortable posture.
So there's a lovely poem from Mary Oliver um, where she invites this quality of beginner's mind to our experience. And it goes something like this. Um, In Blackwater Woods, the tossed waters of the pond have settled after a night of rain. I dip in my cupped hands and drink a little while. It tastes like stone, like leaves, like fire. I feel it falling deep into my body, waking the bones, and I hear them whispering deep inside, saying, Oh, what was that beautiful thing that just happened? What was that beautiful thing that just happened where she drank some water? but drank some water from the place of beginner's mind, you realize it's a miracle to drink water, this amazing, clear element. So in the same way as we sit and we breathe and we sense and we listen to sounds and feel our body on the earth, each of those things is a miracle if we bring beginner's mind if we don't, it's just like, yeah, it's just a breath. Yeah, whatever. Did that last time. Can we do something new? So, um, bringing that spirit of curiosity. This breath, this moment, this sensation, this body, this thought, this feeling. Right? Always new. So again, starting finding a posture where you can sit comfortably, upright, relaxed and alert, still but fluid. And again, sensing your body as part of this living earth, part of the earth's moving surface, aware of itself, sitting, sensing, alive. Feeling that intimate contact with the ground and your sit bones, legs, feet.
aware of the breath as it moves by itself. Sitting, sensing yourself as part of the forest, roots into the earth, crown lifting to the sky. skin, where the skin is this medium between inner and outer, inside and outside, not separate. With each inhale, each exhale, sensing this intimate connection with the air element, the fragrance of the air. Sounds arise simply aware of hearing. Sensations coming and going, breath ebbing and flowing. 
sounds pulsing, vibrating. Sitting with a wide, spacious quality of attention, receptive to the ebb and flow of experience, sound, sensation, breath, as well as the inner landscape of emotion, feeling that arise and pass. And again, if it's helpful, you may also include awareness of seeing, either the eyes lowered or the eyes gazing in front of you, receiving through the eyes, aware of color and light and shape and form, <clears throat> but not losing awareness of the physical landscape of your body, wave-like motion of breath, the movement of sounds and breeze on the skin, three hundred and sixty degree awareness. Where is your attention in this moment? How are you relating to what's here? What's the attitude in the mind, or the heart, in relationship to this moment, this experience, this phenomena? Is the mind allowing, accepting, at ease? or reacting in contention, wanting something different, expecting something other. last few minutes of the sitting, no matter where your attention has gone before, it takes only a moment to return, a moment to establish and abide in present moment awareness. So right now, as you sit, aware of what's here, what's predominant, what lures your attention, 
touch, sensing, seeing, hearing, smelling, feeling. Notice how it changes, this waterfall of experience, no two moments the same. part of widening the field of attention. In this last part of the practice, I invite you to open your eyes and look around and just bring this mindful meditative awareness quality and turn your attention to something that is uplifting, that's beautiful, that touches you, maybe more than one thing. And notice what happens inside. Notice what happens when you're looking or listening to something that touches you, moves you. Notice what arises in your heart. Notice what arises in your mind. Noticing how your body feels. Does it feel lighter or more expansive? What's the quality of energy like? Do you feel mood shift? Notice how your energy, if it's different from it was during the formal meditation. And if it's different, then what's changed? Energy follows our attention, our attention follows our curiosity. When we're curious, we become engaged. When we engage, we feel energized. So there's formal mindfulness practice, like we were just doing, sitting, meditating, cross-legged, walking. And then there's informal, what I call meditative awareness. It's the awareness, the presence that comes from meditating, from cultivating mindfulness. But it's a more ordinary, relaxed, day-to-day kind of attention. 
no big deal, just being aware, seeing, noticing, hearing, noticing, touching, noticing. Right? So the point isn't to become an expert meditator. The point is to become an aware and awake human being in all moments. Right? So we cultivate the formal practice of mindfulness and meditation in order to be able to access that quality of presence or awareness, whatever we're doing. So right now we're accessing it through looking around, through seeing or listening or feeling. Noticing if you feel separate or connected. If you feel separate from that which you're noticing, observing, seeing, hearing, or not. Where does the sound arise and stop? Is it inside? Is it outside? Is it both? Where does the boundary of your body end? Is it at the skin or beyond? Are we really independent or influenced and affected in every single moment by a whole confluence of factors? In this case, factors of sound and sensations and temperature and breeze and light insects, planes. The current research shows that the trees and the forest are intimately connected, communicating to each other, sharing nutrients, sharing resources, helping the sicker trees, warning trees about threats. And we're sitting in a living system and we're part of that living system. We might feel separate from it, but we're actually part of it. We are part of the forest right now. It's a beautiful poem from David Wagoner based on some Native American stories called Lost. And he says, stand still. The trees ahead and the bushes beside you are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. You must treat it as a powerful stranger must ask permission to know it and be known. Listen, the forest whispers. It says, I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again saying, here, 
here. No two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are surely lost. Stand still. Listen. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. Listen. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. I love that poem because it's a very different kind of orientation to a forest than we normally have. We normally say, I'm going to the woods, I'm going to go check out Muir Woods, I'm going to the forest. And we rarely say, oh, I'm going to the forest to let the forest find me. Right? That's a very different orientation. To let the forest know where I am, well, the forest knows where you are. <laughs> We might not know where we are. <laughs> so for me, the point of mindful awareness practice in nature is to get quiet enough to receive, to feel, to sense, to listen, to be found, to be touched to be moved, to be inspired, to reconnect with awe and wonder and mystery. But it does require a few things. One, as the Vegas sign says, you have to be present to win. You have to be present, right? first and foremost. We have to be here, not back at work or figuring out whatever life stuff we're figuring out. We have to be here, be embodied, be quiet enough, be tuned enough. And to listen. Listen with all our senses. Listen to the breeze. break for lunch in a minute. We're going to be eating the earth, eating the earth element, the soil and the microorganisms and the plants and whatever else you brought to eat. 
The 14 billion years of evolution have conspired to make your sandwich. And it's true. <laughs> You'll be eating stardust. So give it the full attention it deserves, right? Mindful eating is a lovely practice, just like mindful breathing, mindful walking, standing, anything is grounds for awareness. But eating is a particularly delightful one. Hopefully you brought something that you like, probably. So appreciation for the farmers and the pollinating bees and insects and the, all the beings that conspired to make that one sandwich or apple. There's more microorganisms in one handful of soil than all of life on Mars. That's what gave rise to our food. So, um, so take your time. We have a, we'll have an hour and we'll come back at two. Uh, it's one twelve forty-five now. Um, feel free to eat here, spread out, um, and then after you've had your lunch, you're welcome to continue meditating. You, you're welcome to take a siesta here. I'm a big fan of the siesta. I lived in Spain for six months. My favorite Spanish proverb goes, "It is beautiful to do nothing and then rest afterwards." <laughs> which is what we've been doing. We've been doing nothing all morning and it's good to take a rest afterwards because it's tiring doing all this nothing business. <laughs> so you can rest, lie down, or you can take a walk. There's a lovely loop trail. We might do it as a group later, but one part of the loop goes this way, goes up the hill and around. And uh, there's another trail just at the little post about halfway up the meadow on the left. And it goes, that will also join up with this trail. You can loop around. Um, another trail will loop back down through the retreat center. <clears throat> um, and then we'll have the bell rang about five to two to, to summon us. I'll stick around if you have any questions. I'm going to leave you with one more poem from uh, Miss Oliver, poet, nature poet laureate, um, the earth poet, poet laureate. Um, it's about joy, and I invite you to um, turn your mind and attention to joy, to really, to really uh, attune to what brings delight and happiness in this next hour. Right? We tend to so much focus on our stress, on our problems, on the woes of the world, you know, which all require our attention, but we forget to also attune to beauty, to what's. Uh, uplifting and joyful and uh, heart-expanding. And it's really important. And one of the reasons I teach this work is to um, uh, nourish us and, and cultivate resilience. We can't be resilient if we don't attune to also to what uh, uplifts our spirit. Um, so this poem is about joy, and it goes... Every day I see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight, that leaves me like a needle in the haystack of light, 
It is what I was born for, to look, to listen, to lose myself inside this soft world with joy and acclamation. Nor am I talking about the exceptional, but of the ordinary, the common, the drab, the daily presentations. Oh, good scholar, I say to myself, how could you help but grow wise with but teachings such as these, the untrimmable light of the world, the oceans shine, and the prayers that are made out of grasses. Every day I see or hear something that more or less kills me with delight. So may you find and cherish and savor that which brings delight. You might have all sorts of other experiences too, but you know, let that be part of your, your lunchtime meditation, including maybe eating a strawberry, which might be delightful. So thank you for your morning practice. Um, and I apologize for the for the background sound that we've had. I've, I've endeavored very hard to have them turn off the sound of that mechanical thing, which is fortunately turned off for now. Um, so, and yeah, my apologies for any disturbances that have not been part of just nature's natural disturbances. And uh, enjoy your lunch, resting, walking, and we'll see you at two. Thank you. And I'll stay behind if you have questions. Is there an announcement? Oh, yes. After your lunch, please um, bring your garbage and put it in the cans, which are by the road. Not, oh, right back here. N not, don't take it back into the, into the, the, the big building because we only have to bring it out again. Thank you. And I'll stay behind for a few minutes if anybody has any questions.
Yeah, oh good.
So welcome back everybody. <clears throat> I'm curious how your lunch was and your whatever you were doing, resting. I saw a lot of people hiking up the hill, which I was happy to see. Any comments, observations from your time on the land, just a little solo time? Nothing happened. Nothing ever happens. I bet something happened. I forgot to mention that the bigger the lunch, the drowsier the afternoon. So hopefully you had a modest lunch size. <laughs> We have the lovely accompaniment of the breeze this afternoon. And we'll ta also take a walk up the hill this afternoon. For those who want, anyway. So, some, yes, question, comment? So um, in search of a shaded area up that zigzag path, <laughs> I kept going um, pretty far. I finally found this little wooded area, and I sat there and I ate my lunch. And I got, I saw, I had, you know, a good perspective of the, um, where the fire was, and uh, got some shots of that. And then, you know, the path is blocked off, so you can, can't go past a certain point. But, you know, as I was sitting there eating my lunch by myself, as opposed to meditating here with all of you, you know, I, I, I was thinking, you know, about how do you work with fear um, when you're in the woods or in the wild and you're alone? And how do you close your eyes and relax? Because that's definitely hard for me without, you know, being really hypervigilant of creatures and whatever might be yeah. lurking. And so I'd love for you to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, definitely um, not an uncommon experience to, you know, to work with the vigilance and the fear or concern or terror or, you know, and it's biologically hardwired into us to be, you know, vigilant, which is why, you know, <clears throat> we can, we, we're actually drawing on that vigilance. When we, as soon as we step outside as an animal, our animal body wakes up to some degree. The, our sensitivity to sounds, to our environment, to energy, um, to rustles in the bushes. Um, and, uh, you know, if we can, if we can 
work with the fear and anxieties, regulate that so we can actually use that alertness, that vigilance to can, can be shifted into alertness and presence rather than fear and anxiety. Um, that partly depends on what we do with our mind, partly depends on our conditioning. Um, and you certainly don't have to close your eyes to meditate. And uh, if that's, you know, if it makes you feel more at ease uh, when you're alone, then don't close your eyes. Just have your eyes lowered, gaze lowered, um, or your gaze, you know, looking at something that's sort of soft focus. Um, and, um, you know, and so there's, so there's the, Using using our awareness to be present, you know, we want to be smart when we're outside, and then working with the mind that summons up all kinds of uh, imaginary catastrophe scenarios. Right? So we hear rustle in the bushes, and we think, "Oh, bear!" And then we realize, "Oh, there's no bear in Marin." Okay, okay, not a bear. Maybe it's a mountain lion because we do have a mountain lion here. Could be a mountain lion. Mike. From my perspective, I'd be very lucky to see a mountain lion. I've been waiting for 25 years to see one. I haven't seen one. Looking. Yet to see one. You saw one here. Oh, sweet. Little baby one. Yeah. Wow. 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 So it's a red tail. Oh, is it a red tail? Looks like a red tailed hawk. It's checking us out. So they have vision, they can see, they can see the distinction between pine needles from a great distance. A very, very focused vision. So if you've got a pet mouse, I would hide it. So in indigenous cultures, that would this would be a great omen to be blessed with the presence of a predator, my favorite, my favorite uh, <laughs> beings, or hawks. So they're very. Um, this is great hunting ground for hawks with all the the meadows and abundance of mice and gopher. And it was a very wet winter, so there's more more wildlife and more therefore more prey. So just a reminder of the wildness and the wild. Never far away, even close to the parking lot. So, um, so back to fear and working with that. Yeah. So we have to work with our mind and the stories that that, that gets created, and and also be sensible. You know, for that if that means sitting with your eyes open, sitting with your eyes open, that means not going alone because you, you know that that's going to trigger a necessary anxiety. Then don't walk alone. Um, <clears throat> and also, and you know, fear is also just part of our relationship with nature. It just does 
can summon that, especially at night, especially unknown, especially when we're alone. Um, I think the most dangerous thing around here is people, and uh, the non the non two leggeds are, are way more less likely than likely to leave us alone. They don't want to be around us. So, um, and I take it as a blessing if you do come across something. We have bobcat here and coyote and mountain lion, but you rarely see them. So, you know, but using the whatever else you can do to ground, you ground. It's feeling the groundedness of your body on the earth, breath, deep long out exhales. Looking around as and find looking at something that's soothing, pleasing that helps calm the nervous system. And so we can always choose where we're placing our attention and noticing if if we're putting our attention something that's aggravating, it's not going to be so helpful. And I think it's you know it's a useful thing to practice with. I I backpack alone and. Um, you know, often come across bear and um, um, I think it's healthy to learn to work with those primal fears and you know, to realize we're not necessarily always the top of the food chain. If you go further north in brown bear country and So I wanted to share a practice. Um, so there's different levels of this Awake in the Wild practice. There's just simply being aware. There's really in, inhabiting the senses, which we've done a little of. And there's also uh, insight wisdom practices that I draw a lot from the Buddhist tradition. And one practice that's really, um, I think, uh, a great practice to do in nature in the from the foundations of mindfulness teachings from the Buddha is the reflection on the elements, the four elements. So often as human beings we think of ourselves as very separate and independent and not necessarily so connected to landscape, land, earth, water, fire and air. So um, this elements reflection meditation is a really good way to just feel into our deep interconnection, non-separateness between the, our inner and outer landscapes. So for example, um, I was just up in the Italian Alps and um, we were drinking from a spring that was on the land, beautiful spring that was gushing. And um, we drank straight from that spring for the, the week that we were there. And which is what I like to do on all of my backpacking retreats is, well, you've got no choice. You drink from the spring or the stream or the lake or wherever you happen to be. And after so many days of drinking from that spring, we become mostly spring water. Right? Our bodies are more than 70% water. And so as we drink 
from that source, just as we drink from our taps, which come from the Eel River and from from uh, snowmelt from the Sierras. Um, in, in the case of where we were in the Alps, we were mostly spring water, Italian spring water. Right? And that sounds like a nice romantic idea, but it's also true um, that over that time we become, you know, our bodies are saturated with the spring. In the same way that I'm looking at all of you and you are mostly made up of Sierra Nevada snowmelt. <laughs> like that line from the poem this morning, um, Earth teach me to forget myself as melted snow forgets its life, right? The snow melts, becomes human beings, becomes urine, becomes part of the hydrological cycle, goes back into the ocean, and, uh, and on it goes. And same with all the elements, right? We've been eating our lunch from the earth, right? Eating soil and microorganisms and photosynthesizing life. And that becomes part of who we are. I'm looking at a bunch of sandwiches and uh, arugula salads and apples and, you know, whatever else you had, Mars bars, I don't know. Um, and that's true. Right? We, we, it's, it's hard to us to get that. We drink a glass of water and then we pee it out and we think it's got nothing to do with us really. But of course it, it is. It's the fabric of who we are. So this, this meditation is really a reflection on, on, on seeing this a little more deeply. So if you'd like to um, uh, find a comfortable meditation posture. And if you wanted to, you could do this lying down. Um, only if you promise me you're not going to fall asleep. So some of you won't fall asleep. But if you're feeling a little drowsy, I wouldn't do it lying down. But if you're feeling sufficiently wakeful, then and keep your eyes open if you're sleepy. Because we'll start with being mindful of the earth element and nice to feel the earth in our back bodies. Okay, so closing your eyes. Feeling the ground, the earth beneath you. Feeling your sit bones, your legs, your calves, your knees, your feet. Whatever's touching the ground. And allowing yourself to be heavy, especially if you're lying down but also in the chair, just allowing us, really feeling that sense of earth supporting your weight. So our bodies come from the earth, we digest 
and eat the earth element in plants and animals. And we go back to the earth. The earth element inside us, not separate from the earth element all around us in the trees, the rocks, the land, the plants. We experience the earth element in our bodies as hardness, as density, as weight, as pressure, as heaviness. We can feel the earth element in our bones, in our sit bones, our bones of our hands and legs, our skull, our teeth, our jaw, hardness feeling density of the earth element as flesh, as muscle, as our organs, the earth element, earth element all around us, earth element inside us, same element, hard, dense, solid, heavy, flesh, our bones, sensing the earth element inside, not separate from the earth element outside, same element. attention wanders, notice that, come back to the sense of heaviness, density, hardness, weight. With the earth element sitting on the earth element, coming from the earth, going back into the earth. Sensing your body as part of the earth, connected to the earth, one with the earth, 
part of the earth's moving surface. to the water element, the water element in the oceans, the skies, clouds, rivers, lakes, ponds, streams, the water element, moisture in the air, not separate from the water element inside. We're part of the hydrological cycle. We take in water becomes our rivers of veins, our tears, our blood, our sweat, the fluidity in our joints, the moisture on our skin, water element inside, water element outside, same element. And so we can experience this directly as wetness, as fluidity, and the saliva in our mouth, the tears in our eyes, the blood, the salinity of the blood. moisture on our skin, water element inside, water element outside, same element, connecting directly, immediately with this experience. Attention wanders, notice that if you're sleepy, open your eyes, sensing directly this water element, the wetness, fluidity, moisture of the body and the skin and the tears and the blood, fluidity of the joints, not separate from clouds, from rain and snow, the oceans. We're skin-bound ocean. You may sense the heartbeat pumping the water element around. Or as you swallow, swallowing the water element.
sensing the hardness, density of the earth element, the fluidity, wetness of the water element. Now aware of the air element, and we experience the air element or the wind element as breath. Each inhale, each exhale, we partake of the same breath. The air outside, the air inside, same element. Each inhale, we breathe in oxygen released from leaves, plants, trees, grasses, plankton. Each exhale, releasing carbon reabsorbed by those same photosynthesizing life. Sensing the earth element with the inhale, vitalizing the body. If you're sleepy, take a few deep inhales of the earth element. As you know, the air element, sorry. Feel the air element as wind, as movement outside, or the movement inside as thought flickering. vitalizing quality of the air element, connecting us with all breathing life forms, all photosynthesizing life forms, including the beings that surround us, trees, grasses, plants. Lastly, feeling the fire element, the fire of the sun, the energy of the Big Bang, the warmth that we feel in our bodies. It's the fire element. 
We experience the fire element as heat, as coolness, as warmth and cold. Sensing the fire element in your own body, a warmth in your belly, coolness on your skin. We carry this fire element until we die. And then we the fire elements released. So sensing directly that movement of warmth, cold. in the body, not separate from the fire and the heat of the sun. So being aware of this ever-changing element Lastly, aware of the element of space, space all around us, space in the universe, not separate from the space inside, space in awareness, space in our bodies, our bodies are 99.999% space. Our attention mostly goes to the objects in space, not the space itself, which allows for all things to be. And being aware of the sense of space outside, space all around us, space in our body, space of awareness, how that space is filled with awareness, presence. Lastly, aware of all these elements together interplaying, no inside, no outside, the earth element, hardness, density, the water element, fluidity and wetness, the air element, movement, and this fire element, warmth and coolness, and space, all held in space dancing, moving, ebbing and flowing.
all these elements inside, outside, same elements, not separate. Know this as part of your own nature. few minutes of the sitting, just again, continuing to be aware of this dance of elements, or simply shifting to a more open awareness, awareness of sounds, sensations, breath. with a poem from Derek Walcott called Earth. Let the day grow on you upward through your feet, the vegetal knuckles to your knees of stone, until by evening you are a black tree. Feel with evening the swifts thicken your hair, the new moon rising out of your forehead and the moonlit veins of silver running from your armpits like rivulets under white leaves. Sleep as ants cross over your eyelids. Sleep as ants cross over your eyelids. You have never possessed anything as deeply as this. This is all you have owned from the first outcry through forever, and you can never be dispossessed. So this is a really, um, I find a very helpful reflection when I'm spending time outside to really sense into the non-separateness of our nature. Our nature is elemental. We are earth and water and fire and air and space and a few crazy thoughts on top of that and some emotions so um, so as we spend the rest of the day, we're going to do some walking in a minute. Let's be aware of this 
elements inside, outside. You know, we so often see ourselves, feel ourselves as separate. But actually, if we look to our immediate experience or we look scientifically, subatomically, energetically, we're just flows of elements coming and going through this skin-bound form. So any comments or questions about that before we do some walking practice? What did you notice as you were doing that? Anybody like to share? Are any questions about that? Please. Um, well, admittedly, I was kind of drifting in and out of this realm, and maybe a sleepier realm, because I was laying down. But you were going over, maybe it was the skin, or maybe it was one of the elements, I don't remember. Um, you said something about light, and I just had this phrase pop into my head, oh, I'm a sun hotel. Um, and I really liked that, even if it's a little bit like anthropomorphism or kind of humanizing it, but thinking of taking in the plants have taken in light, I take in light, you know, through my skin, vitamin D, and um, I eat plants, and then that light gets to be a residence in me for a little while until eventually everything goes back to heat. You know, eventually the heat of the sun gets re-released on the earth. So, I don't know, I like that concept of a sun hotel. That's great, thank you. What else? Comments, observations? Questions? Did that in any way help shift a um, different way of seeing yourself from just being your personality or your history to something a little more connected, a little vaster? I'm seeing some nodding heads. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we're made up of rivers and mountains and yeah. Yeah, minerals. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 skin is an amazing intermediary and 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 relationship builder between the inner and the outer. Yeah, and of course, when we close our eyes and meditate, you know, the the sense of the body boundary completely dissolves. Right? If you close your eyes, there's just space, awareness, presence, and some tingling sensations. Right? So we hold this concept of ourselves as this limited form, but that's just one small way of perceiving ourselves. Please. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. 
when you were talking about the uh, drinking the water from the Dolomites, I had heard before that um, the same percentage that we are of water is the same percentage as water is to earth mass, that it's a, it's a similar mirror. And I had also heard that chlorophyll um, has a very similar structure to that of a blood molecule, which is pretty cool. Structure to a, a blood molecule? Blood molecule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all related. It's all mirroring. Yes, at the back. Thank you for mentioning space. Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. We don't look to, you know, this, we're in this vastness of space, and yet all we see are the objects. Right? So it's really interesting to shift that frame of reference to the space being primary and the objects being secondary. Um, and there's a lot of space. Even in a crowded room, there's a lot of space. Yeah, it gives rise to all of that. So in some systems, space is the fifth element, and then the sixth element is consciousness. The consciousness uh, pervading and filling space. Not filling, but pervading space. Yeah. Any other comments or questions, please? comments about wondering what it'd be like if more people had that awareness of realizing that connection between the inner and the outer and the elements and seeing ourselves not as this limited separate entity which is the cause of so much of our uh, self-created suffering from a Buddhist perspective that sense of isolation alienation from misidentifying ourselves as this small separate self that's actually not true on so many levels, and um, you know, it's and particularly I think in in the, in the United States where there's an emphasis on the individual as primary, I and mean, I think in, in in Western culture in general, the sense of the individual being primary and being um, uh, having agency and um, that individuality is prized above everything else which is so different than indigenous wisdom, which is always through the doorway of connection and interconnection and mutuality and interdependence. Actually, this is my probably fifth time coming to Spirit Rock, and I have come to Spirit Rock trying to learn meditation. And this last meditation has been actually I think the most helpful to me out of all the times and actually being out in nature outside versus indoors has been the most helpful to me um, and the element that I really connected with was the water and what I was visualizing was my blood flowing and I could totally feel it going down all my limbs to my fingers to my toes and actually feel it back to my heart. 
and I felt like I could feel my heart beating, even though it was not rapid or it was, you know, at a normal heartbeat. And I just really appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know it's a profound meditation. So feel free to keep continuing the reflection. Okay, so um, we'll do some walking practice. And um, so there's a couple of options. Uh, we're a big group to do a group walk, but we're going to do a group walk. But you have the choice if you don't want to be part of a big, long chain of homo sapiens walking up the hill, then you're welcome to do walking on your own. So um, if you do choose to do walking on your own, uh, the kind of walking that I'd suggest you do is meandering. And meandering is a lovely practice where you simply meander. Or as we say in England, um, not meander, we say ramble. Ramble. So rambling, meandering is walking without destination or without an idea of where you're going or a goal. So you just, which you might, like when you're on your own, say in the woods and you're not going anywhere, you're just kind of just checking out whatever draws your curiosity. That's meandering. You're just letting your body move and maybe you stand up and you, you know, walk towards this beautiful bay tree and you want to lean against the bay because it's such a big sturdy trunk and you lean against the trunk and then you kind of call to walk down to the creek and to see how dry the creek bed is and maybe you walk along the stones of the creek bed and and then that takes you out somewhere and you're, you know, walking through the crunchy bay leaf, dry f- forest undergrowth, uh, the floor, and listening to the sounds of the crunchy leaves. And then you pause and you're gazing up at the beautiful light coming through the trees and, and sort of on it goes. That's meandering. It's a very lovely practice, my favorite, one of my favorite nature practices. So if you don't want to come on the walk, so basically the group walk, we're going to walk up, uh, I think this is called Madrone Trail. I'm going to walk to the top of the hill, which is a very beautiful um, uh, uh, vista of the Spirit Rock Hills and probably a good look at the fire burn at the top of the ridge. And we'll do a little pause up there while everyone gathers. And, um, and then we'll walk back down the trail, this lower trail here. So, um, yeah, so that I'm not sure how long that will take, probably 45 minutes or so. Um, and um, so we'll just go at a sort of mellow pace. And um, the thing with walking in a group, a couple of things. One is don't walk right on the heels of the person in front of you. That will be very annoying. And um, so give the person a few feet of space so there's a sense of spaciousness. And then when you walk, there's all kinds of... uh, I teach all kinds of different walking practices. So one is just mindful walking as we did earlier today. Where you're just really aware of your body, aware of your feet moving, touching the ground, 
Um, or you can have a much more open awareness walking where you're really aware of all of your senses. You're aware of seeing as you're passing trees and leaves. You're aware of the sounds of the wind and the crunchiness underfoot. You're aware of the smells. Um, you're aware of your inner and outer landscape. So I would generally invite that sort of more open awareness. Sometimes when I walk, I choose a particular sense and I just say, okay, for this walk, I'm really just going to be focusing on seeing or on hearing or touching, caressing the earth with our feet. Um, So, but mostly just, you know, being in your physical sensory experience uh, and then Often when we walk, it, it's, a, uh, it's a time that we think a lot. We often walk, we go take a hike and we reflect, or we take a walk and we're pondering something. So it's very easy to go into autopilot and into a habit of just you know walking, meandering, and thinking. And so the, the main instruction here is um, to be mindful when your attention takes you out of the present moment out of your physical sensory experience and into thinking. You know, of course that will happen. You notice that. Um, And then you come back. And the present moment is always inviting, always forgiving, and takes only a moment just to feel the next step, the next breath, the next, see the next leaf, sound, etc. So, um, yeah, so whatever you have to walk in. So um, let me just show, see a so show of hands. How many people are going to come on the group walk? Just raise your hand. And how many people are going to stay here and meander? Okay, great. So for those of you who are coming on the group walk, is there anything I need to know about any of you or your physical uh, issues or challenges is anybody who might need an extra support or something walking up the hill down the hill no okay so um so we'll do so so we'll uh, so i'll just i'll i'll go over by the fence over there and i'll lead the walk and maybe steve if you can come bring up the rear just be the sweep and yes question are the limits to where you can meander um well Another nice meandering um, path, uh, the question of that is not really right now because there's no retreat going on, so you can meander anywhere you like, uh, except you can't go beyond the fire where the, the trails are cut off. But there is another nice meandering trail, which is, it's called, uh, I forget what it's called, it's a new loop. If you just walk down the road, the little sign saying trail, and that will take you up a little loop up this ridge towards the fire and back down, and that will also be about a, 45 minute, 30 to 45 minute meander. That's a nice alternative. But I would suggest meandering is really just letting yourself meander. You can also meander down towards the road here. So um, I'm sensing we need a pee break. So let's take five minute pee break and then we'll gather here and we'll walk. So please let's do this in silence. So the meandering is going to be in silence, the group walk is going to be in silence. And let's make sure we're hanging out here and in the meditation building. We'll keep the rest of the day in silence. Thanks.
Yeah, you can do Yeah, totally. Trust what you're doing. Trust what you're doing is okay. That's pretty exciting. There was something that um, we came across in the first walking practice where
Okay, so those who are going to go on the walk, let's just gather up over here by the fence.
so welcome back. So just again, just opening up the mic to any comments, observations, both about the walk we just took or the practice we did at the top of the hill or those of you who are meandering. What uh, arose for you in the meandering? Any surprises? One of the instructions I often give to myself is um, uh, just being mindful of what surprises me. When, when the attention's open and curious, we get surprised a lot. So anything surprise you or anything? Please, Shelley. There's a microphone here. We now have two mics, so we can do a duet. Over here, Shelley. Thank you. Hi. No, I just, I went on the walk up the hill, and what I noticed was, um, first of all, I had this sense of how different it is to be in the woods and then come out and then go back in. Hmm. And how, like, when I came out, it was this amazing experience, like, oh my gosh, this is, I love it out here, I like it better than in the woods. And then when we went in the woods, it was like, oh, the woods. And it was this back and forth <laughs> feeling. Um, the other thing is that I noticed, despite what you said, that we would feel focused on coming back, that everything was heightened on the way back. Uh-huh. And I think it might have been going uphill, uh-huh. and what it, you know, the blood flow, and then also the meditation at the top, but right. like the smell of the bay leaves, everything was stronger mm. on the way back. Yeah, it was strong. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice on a walk to have that ever-changing landscape and just see how that keeps luring our attention. The smells, the vista, the cloister, the... Yeah. My mind was wandering a bit as we were walking up the hill, and I found myself combating that. A bit closer that. to the... Hold the mic a bit closer. And I found myself combating the mind wandering by really studying all the leaves and everything, and then that didn't quite feel right. And when we got to the top of the hill, you said two things that really helped. One was to think about your relationship with nature and not to perhaps study every little detail of it so intensely as a focus. And that made me think of a relationship with nature as a relationship you would have with a teacher. And being a good student means things like not studying in class, not letting your mind water in class, but receiving the teachings of the instructor. Uh-huh. Um, so just all of a sudden, that little simple thing of just pretending that I was like in like a chemistry lab and like there's a lot of dangerous equipment and maybe you don't want to touch the poison oak bottle and like <laughs> stuff like that. And that uh-huh. just was really neat. So I thought I'd yeah. show that. Great, great. Lots of metaphors. Yeah. Nature's a great metaphor. Please, so hand over here and then a hand over here. Thanks for being the mic runner. So most of the meditation I've done is indoors. Um, So I think this is quite obvious, but two of the things that you get from being outside are, um, one, just all the sense 
the sensory things, which I think are maybe a little, little less poignant when you're indoors. So like the woman mentioned before about the scent, that was amazing. I've never sm smelled so many great things in a forest before. Yeah. Um, secondarily, I think the elements, um, the element meditation that we did before the hike was even more powerful outside mm. uh, for me personally, especially with the wind. It's like... Right. I was feeling the wind as an entity in itself, which is kind of cool to see it as almost anthropomorphizing it, but then also just letting it permeate, and that kind of gets mm -hmm. into the non-duality. Mm -hmm. so, nice. Thank nice. you. Yeah. Yeah, nice to, to continue that element's reflection, right? We're surrounded, steeped, moving in and out of elements all the time. Yeah, beautiful. Great. Thanks. Please, over here somewhere. I had a comment or wanted to ask you if you feel this way when you're in nature. Um, I study a lot about herbalism and the plants, and the more I do, the more I feel their, like, humanness in a way. Like, they're my friends. When I was, we were walking up there, I saw the coyote bush. Oh, hi, coyote bush. You know, and I, like, talk to them like that. I kind of don't know if anyone else does that, but, like... I, they're like, I feel like they become my friends. Uh -huh. It's really weird. Uh-huh. Yeah, sounds like a very intimate connection, relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I doubt you're the only one who talks to plants. And they say the plants like it. They grow better when we talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just nice to have that intimacy. Yeah, please, hand over there. know enough about plants. Wow, that's very weird hearing your voice. Um, so I did a similar thing with a plant. I don't know if I made like a specific friendship with it, but I did a very classic like tree hugging moment. I was just like, this tree has been here so much longer than I have. I am so small to this tree. Um, and kind of getting into that bones element, that earth element that we talked about in the meditation. Um, just all the other little disturbances that enter in and out of our human minds, they seem so small in comparison to this very sturdy tree. Mm, nice. Yeah, there's a lot of wise elders around here. Yeah. And I think I've, I've come across some research that um, there's... Uh, they're looking at how, studying how trees are aware of our, aware of us. So there's a certain, I'm not sure what exactly the, the metrics are for measuring that, but there's some understanding that trees become aware of our presence. So I certainly feel that when I'm close to certain trees. There's a certain connection and communication and so nice to give yourself time to feel into that. Hmm. Please. I, I really liked the guided meditation before we went of the elements hmm. and your comments on the internal and external landscape and how during that meditation I kind of went back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was doing that as well in my meandering. Hmm. Um, 
But the internal landscape also contains emotion and tenderness. Mm-hmm. And I was watching myself, and sometimes I would get caught up in story, and other times it was just sensation. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that being with emotion as much as the kind of physical presence and sensations yeah yeah well i you know i think it's you know awareness is this amazing thing that can go in any and all directions in inward outward both and um you know, specific, subtle, vast. It's, it's this multi-dimensional, multi-directional, multi-faceted phenomena that's sort of mysterious. And, you know, our attention moves. You know, sometimes it's out, sometimes it's for in, sometimes it's both, sometimes it's aware just of awareness itself without really much attention to the object, just, just pure knowing. Um, and, you know, at times we, we orient the attention in different ways for different reasons. You know, at times it's very helpful to really, like most mindfulness practice is very interior, you know, where the inner landscape, body, sensations, heart, feeling, mind, thought, and that whole relationship between mind, body, and heart. And that's a very important part of mindfulness practice, and as is mindfulness to what's outside, to each other, to nature, to relationships, to the world. And um, so, you know, there's both a fluidity in that, and there's also an, uh, a direction, you know, sort of a, a volitional part to that of. of where do we place the attention, why, what's wise. And um, with practice, we learn to learn how to be very uh, fluid and dexterous with where we place our attention. And as I've been pointing to, as you reflected, that um, what interests me here is awareness of the dynamic between the inner and the outer landscape, the relationship between the inner and the outer, which are not separate. We have some friends. Mm-hmm. What do we have? We have the hawk. Hello. We've just been getting a mouse or something. Um, so sometimes we have the outer awareness, and sometimes we have the inner awareness of what that touches in us. You know, is it awe and wonder seeing a hawk? Is it? tenderness and empathy for the mouse or the gopher who's terrified in their hole, you know, or is it wanting both to be happy and well and knowing one has to eat the other to survive and, right, so there's, there's a constant interplay, outer, inner, both. And, um, you know, generally meditation's more interior focused. Amen. We are just very blessed today. <laughs> and um, so it's important to learn how to have that same presence with the world, with nature, with each other. So, like, 
for those of you who weren't up the top of the hill, I was leading a, an eyes open, a sky gazing meditation, which is important to learn how to be present with the eyes open and, and have that receptive gaze. At the same time, not losing touch with the inner landscape. And uh, what's rich for me about this work is really feeling the um, the that interplay and the nuance, and how in every moment we're we're being impressed upon. Right? We're impressionable. We're we're hearing sounds. We're seeing beautiful things. We're seeing a dead log, we're looking at the fire burn, we're feeling awe, and then we're feeling sadness, and then we're feeling tenderness because we're remembering a friend of ours who's sick, and then we feel beauty and, and touched, and right, it's this whole river of experience. And we're learning to be, you know, to have this broad awareness that can hold all of it, the range, the depth, the subtlety, the interplay, the causality, and the Buddha... You know, the essence of the Buddha's teaching is understanding causality, understanding how everything is affecting and uh, impacting and causing other things to arise. And so, and for me, nature practice is a deep understanding of interdependence and, and causality, right? that we're not independent, that we're always intimately affected by our environment, by our senses, by each other, by the earth, by the elements. And so there's a wisdom that grows from that sensitivity. Please. Do you want the mic? Um, I just wanted to go back to the trees. I actually feel very fortunate that we're in this spot. Um, mm. I've loved this being so close to these trees. Mm. And they're especially um, different because they're on the slope. So when mm -hmm. we did that first walking meditation, I think I disobeyed and I did a meandering instead. Mm -hmm. um, and I went up and I found this really strong tree and I just leaned against it, you know? And if it hadn't been on a slope, it would have been, not have been so powerful to lean against it. Because if that tree wasn't there, I would have fallen, right? So it was carrying my full body weight. And I just let myself lean against it. And I was just thinking, because we were supposed to plant our legs on the ground and be strong in that earlier meditation. And I decided instead, you know, I'm feeling like a little sapling today. I'm just going to hide between the big trees, let them protect me. And I just invite anyone here who just wants to feel held up today, by some strong, amazing force. This tree just felt so amazing. And mm. since you say they, they notice our presence, I did feel that, you know, mm -hmm. and I just, it was just so special because mm -hmm. it was this slope mm -hmm. that it held me up more than the ground, more than anything else we did. It was yeah. just really powerful. So yeah. I invite anyone else to try that, though it, I kind of had to slide down like you to get back down <laughs> on my butt. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, nice to give, give oneself over to something bigger than ourselves. Right? To soften and... You're going to have lots of people wanting to know where that tree is. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's a few to choose from. <laughs> um, that eye exercise, uh, mm -hmm. it was really interesting because I felt like it, it opened my perspective, but I really was feeling it in my heart chakra. Like I felt mm. like it opened my heart mm. and it was just sort of open, like things were just pouring in, mm. but it almost like through the eyes and, and mm. into the heart and I was wondering if anybody else experienced that yeah 
Anybody else experience the heart opening as the eyes were soft, gazing, receiving? Some people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, there is something that that, that that kind of gaze does to, it, it's very opening on all different levels in the, in the nervous system and for you, the heart chakra. And, um, it's, a very, it's a very immediate doorway to presence. When, when, you, when you soften and open the eyes in that relaxed gaze, it's very, it's, I think the best, easiest, quickest, most accessible doorway into presence. And what's great about it is the eyes are open. You don't have to go to a cave and meditate for five hours. It's like, no, you just soften the gaze. And this does something, it just relaxes the nervous system and there's an immediate embodied presence that arises when you've cultivated it. So nice that the heart was engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Any other comments or questions? About the walking, gazing, meandering. Any other comments from the meanderers? The meandering clan? So one thing that I noticed when I was meandering is I was definitely attracted to different elements that were around. You know, mm. The little water flo- fall flowing, mm. the water, the light. Mm. Hold it closer. The water, the light, yeah. the, um, you know, the, the trees were incredible, and I, I mean, all of nature here hmm. uh, seemed as if it was communicating something back, something about connection and interdependence, mm-hmm. and I mean, really, it was joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it seemed that there was something... Uh, some kind of a re- response of joy from mm. nature. Maybe that was just a reflection, but it was mm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. So a lot of joy and reflection. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Sometimes people talk about feeling like a little kid again doing the meandering because you're giving yourself permission to just kind of do what you want to do and get dirty and rustle in the bushes and crunch leaves and lean against trees and touch water and you know, we, we tend to we know as adults we tend to we've removed ourselves and we look down at the ground and at things and don't really get visceral and you know connected and juicy and we lose so much now there's a, and I don't think we have time for now there's another practice where we do do this in pairs where we invite each other to one person's blindfold and the other person guides the other person to feel nature through the senses other than the eyes. It's a really great practice. So, yeah, good to feel the play and the joy. And uh, I've walked that trail before, and the last time I did was in springtime. And what mm. I first noticed was how different, mm-hmm. you know, spring. Now mm-hmm. we're coming into fall, and just realizing how it's there's a constant change all the time, um, whether externally or internally. And then I felt the temperature shift from the forest to the opening, and then feeling, you know, cool, hot. Um, and then noticing the temperature of the sun against the leaves. And then there was like this uh, 
underlying background noise in my mind of like not really wanting myself to fully experience that for some reason. So hmm. just noticing hmm. that my mind is kind of not wanting me to feel the joy or even mm -hmm. though I want to. So yeah. mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah, it's also nice coming back to us the same place and feeling the different flavors and qualities and seasons and different evolutions of the landscape. Yeah. Oh, good. So reading from um, Wendell Berry. Nope, that's somebody else. <laughs> Wendell Berry says, And the world cannot be discovered by a journey of miles no matter how long, but only by a spiritual journey of one inch, very arduous and humbling and joyful, by which we arrive at the ground at our feet and learn to be at home. And so we, and the journey is one step, one inch, one foot, one placement of the feet on the ground, just right here, right here, this leaf, this rustle, this sunlight, this hawk. So let's just sit a little bit, um, <clears throat> enjoying the, the quietude. We are now absent of whatever mechanical sound we were serenaded by. from Eckhart Tolle, and maybe this might speak to some of your experience about, um, again, talking about this dynamic of the inner and outer relationship and how what, what arises or what gets touched in us as we're outdoors. He says, whenever you bring your attention to anything natural, anything that's come into existence without human intervention, you step out of the prison of conceptualized thought and to some extent participate in the state of being, state of connectedness with being in which everything natural still exists. To bring your attention to a stone, a tree, or an animal does not mean to think about it, but simply to perceive it, to hold it in your awareness. Something of its essence then transmits itself to you. You can sense how still it is, and in doing so, the same stillness arises within you. You sense how deeply it rests in being, completely at one with what is and where it is. In realizing this, you too come to a place of deep rest within yourself. So let's just sit here and just sense into whatever 
sense of being, connectedness, stillness, ease, openness, um, that's arisen or is present, or whatever else is here, just noticing to turn the gaze of attention inwards, just being mindful of the interior landscape of the heart, of the body. sitting and walking and being out in nature, in the woods. What's the quality of your body? What's the felt sense experience? How does the body feel after being outdoors all day? Sensing your heart. What's the climate of the heart, mood, feeling? Stillness, ease, calm, peace, well being, or anything else that's here tenderness, openness. Simply being aware of this whole field of experience of our inner landscape as we sit and touched, influenced by the outer landscape of breeze, and coolness, sounds, presence.
feeling, feeling the coolness of the fire element. Can you welcome it or are you resisting it? Coldness is like this. Breeze is like this. There's an old poem from Chinese poet Li Po, <clears throat> who writes, The birds have vanished into the sky, <clears throat> and the last remaining clouds have faded away. We sit together, the mountain and me, until only the mountain remains. We sit together, the forests and me, until only the forest remains. We sit together, the trees and me, until only the trees remain. So as we bring our meditation to a close,
may reflect on an intention or aspiration that comes from this day of practice outdoors, something you may wish to bring into your daily practice, into your life, maybe some more connection with nature, awareness of your inner and outer landscape, some intention to live a little more in harmony or sustainably, or as a better steward, this beautiful earth. So our day is coming to an end. Uh, so, a few logistical things. I'm going to pass around this clipboard. It has my uh, email list on if anybody wishes to be aware of my, mostly my meditation and nature events and my teacher training events and uh, meditation talks and audio stuff that I make available through my newsletter, please feel free to sign up. Poem from Rebecca Bangett called Testimony. I want to tell you that the world is still beautiful. I tell you that despite children hungry on city streets, shut down in schoolrooms, Despite the slow poisons seeping from old and hidden sins into our air and soil and water, despite the thinning film that encloses our aching world, despite my own terror and despair, I want you to look again and again to recognize the tender grasses curled like a baby's fine hairs around your fingers as a recurring miracle to see that the river rocks shine like the divine, that the crisp voices of the orange and gold October leaves are laughing at death. I want you to look beneath the grass to note the fragile hieroglyphs of ant, snail, and beetle. I want you to understand that you are no more and no less necessary than the brown recluse, the ruby-throated hummingbird, the humpback whale, the profligate mimosa, I want to say like Neruda that I am waiting for a great and common tenderness, that I still believe we are capable of attention, that anyone who notices the world must want to save it. Anyone who notices the world must want to save it. So I love this poem. I don't know this poet so well, but I love this poem. 
because it speaks to really why I do this work, which is to uh, invite us all to pay attention and to wake up and to bring that attention to this beautiful planet, this beautiful earth, this beautiful nature that we're surrounded by, and to fall in love. And to fall so deeply in love, we want to do anything and everything we can to protect it and steward it and safeguard it and save it and support it and nourish it, whether that's personally, by our personal actions, by our political choices, our economic choices, uh, what we do with our work and our time and our energy. and So we're living in perilous times, as you all know. I don't need to remind you of that. The, the fire on the hill is a good reminder of that. The fires in California that have raged the last few years are reminders of that. You know, we can look at every ecosystem in the planet, reminders of the, the tremendous threat on all species, including our own, including every ecosystem. You can just pass that around and then see if, I mean, just people can just sign or not. And Yeah, thank you. Um, and so um, I haven't chosen to speak to this today so much. Usually I speak to it a lot more than I have done today. Just varies depending on where I am and what's alive and present. And um, but um, the the basis of this work is a phrase: we protect what we love. We protect what we love. And so my my missionary work. I'm a, I'm an Earth evangelist, and my my evangelism is to rather than go out to the people, is to bring the people closer to the earth. But to do that in a very mindful, contemplative, presenceful, heartful, sensitive, attuned, receptive way. So we feel and deeply connect with that, uh, this earth and uh, our love and care and, and also holding our grief and tenderness and fear and anxiety rage and all of that so um, you know and it's also important in these times we can drown in depressing data and uh, drown in um, what's that phrase there's so many new psychological terms now for the various kinds of ecological anxiety that are happening because of the state of the planet and it's important during these times that we not only stay informed and educated and act, but we also take time to nourish ourselves and to go out on the land and to lean on trees and to lie on the earth and look at the stars and gaze at beauty and be seen by beauty and feel the, the pulse and the vitality of this land and this life and let it move through you and be moved by it. So we need a lot of earth stewards right now. We need a lot of earth champions, not just our youth. We're not going to be saved by our youth. We have to do something for our youth, even though they're rising up. Um, 
because they're aware that they might not have a planet in the same way that we have a planet now in 50 years. So um, I hope this work has nourished you and touched you and your heart's opened and your soul has been singing and you've fallen more in love with this beautiful earth and that inspires you in some small or large way to take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of this planet. I'm going to be on a podcast on Thursday. The Commonwealth Club in San Francisco has a wonderful podcast, my favorite environmental podcast called Climate One. Anybody listen to Climate One? Raise your hand. A few of you. It's a great podcast. Um, I find it very inspiring. I usually feel uplifted because there's so many brilliant, intelligent, creative, passionate people all over the world doing amazing things for sustainability and climate change and renewable energy. Hmm? Climate uh, one, O-N-E. Climate one. Um, yeah, not W-O-N, that, that would not be the case. <laughs> climate losing. Um, uh, so anyhow, I'm going to be uh, interviewed on that podcast on Thursday uh, in San Francisco. It's uh, usually at the Commonwealth Club. I'm not sure if it's going to be there on Embarcadero at 6.30. So um, be happy if you wanted to come to that. It's a great conversation. The interviewer is a really great, provocative, challenging interviewer. So I expect him to give me a hard time. So, um, and uh, what else? Do you feel the fire element? <laughs> fire element's waning. <laughs> hmm. There's a wonderful organization called One, One Earth Sangha, which is uh, one of the main uh, climate action environmental organizations that's birthed through the Insight Meditation Network, which we are part of. Um, so, good way to uh, stay informed and get involved from a Buddhist perspective. So we have a few minutes for any closing comments or questions. Please. Uh, Rebecca um, Baggett, B-A-G-G-E-T-T. -T. So my website is markcoleman.org and um, I'm happy to say that this day was being recorded so um, it will be edited somewhat and put up on Dharma Seed, dharmaseed.org, D-H-A-R-M-A Seed, S-E-E-D.org. I've got hundreds of talks on there and meditations. Um, so you can listen to, people have been asking about the poetry, so the, all the stuff that's, all the teachings will be recorded and the guided meditations. Um, I teach a lot of wilderness retreats. Um, I have a year-round year program. Um, teaching uh, in northern New Mexico up in the mountains and uh, Colorado mountains overlooking the continental divide um, in Mexico in the mountains and also kayaking in the kayaking not in the mountains in the water <laughs> 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 uh, 
And I also teach some nature retreats, day-longs and other retreats here. Um, it's Monday nights I teach here a bunch. But uh, if, you want, if you like this work and you want to go deeper, then the, the longer, silent, week-long retreats are a great way to do that. I also mentioned I have some trainings coming up. Um, so I have so I'm training people to lead this work, uh, Awaken the Wild, Meditation and Nature Teacher Training. I have some cards that they're on the table in the foyer. And Anne-Marie is over here in pink. She has just graduated from the teacher training that ended in May. So you could also ask her how it was, get the real skinny, you know, <laughs> not my hard sell, which is not going to be a hard sell. Um, it's a wonderful training. It's a year-long program. It's four-week four week retreats over the year, plus some other work in between. And then, um, this is not till next year, but I have every two years I run a mindfulness teacher training here in the Bay Area. And that will be happening next fall. So you can also get cards about that. It's also a year-long, over four four-day weekends. Really wonderful program. So, um, was there a question? Did you ask that question? Is there any other questions, comments, before we wrap up? Yes, please. A microphone. Could someone pass the microphone, or would you want to come up to get the mic behind you? This was my first time meditating, I guess, by choice in nature. It was lovely. Thank uh -huh. you. Great. Um, I was thinking about uh, going back out um, in the coming days and weeks. And I was wondering, for somebody who's going out for the first time, mm. if you have any mm -hmm. Great. tips yeah. on what makes a good spot, um, mm -hmm. anything to look out for. Yeah, yeah, great question. Yeah, so taking this practice home, um, so anywhere can be a good spot, as we've just discovered, because you can sit by a parking lot and have a great time. <laughs> Helps to be facing away from the parking lot, and it's a relatively quiet parking lot. Um, so obviously a place where you feel safe is important. Um, and... Um, you know, I think it's it's useful to explore different places. You know, and just to see and feel like, you know, I like to sit in the redwoods. There's profound energy there. But I also like to sit by the ocean. And I also like to sit up on a ridge. And I like to sit by a big rock. And I like to sit under a tree. You know, it's like, so just just let your, like the meandering, let yourself be called. Let yourself notice what, what moves you, what resonates with you. Is it, is it? you know, in the shady grove? Is it on top of the dry ridge? Is it with a vista? Is it really, you know, in a, in a very sort of sheltered place? Because um, each place has its own energy, its own resonance, its own teaching. Uh, there's a practice in the book, um, in the Wake in the Wild book, called Meditation in a Favorite Place, where, where you go to the same place daily or weekly and just feel what it's like in the different seasons, the different times of day. And that's a beautiful way to get to know a landscape. Um, and, um, you know, in terms of practices, so if you wanted to have a manual, the book is like a manual. There's like 40 practices in there and you could just pick a practice or you could just do what we've done here and just sit with the very sort of general open awareness. Um, or you do a meandering walk. 
um, and um, start small, start, you know, at, do it for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, something that's doable and, and enjoyable and, you know, you build up over time so you can sit longer and then you maybe take a half day or a whole day, you know, on your own, invite other people if they're interested. Um, and mostly just, you know, being in your body, being in your senses and attuning and opening to what's here, which is what we've been doing today. And it, um, and it can help be helpful to have other kind of meditation training so your, your mind's a little more pliable. But you could also just take this practice and, and do this, you know, 20, 30 minutes a day or wherever, how, whenever you can get out. And eyes open, eyes closed. Just, just be experimental. See what draws you. You know, is, is it some, some days it might be standing with a tree. Sometimes it's sitting down. Sometimes it's lying down and sky gazing, cloud gazing, or stargazing. You know, there's a lot of different varieties. Sometimes you sit by a creek or by the ocean and it's a listening meditation. Hmm? Other times it's a seeing meditation. Other times you're walking through long grass and it's a sensing meditation. So there's this beautiful array of practices available. So does that help? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah. So, um, you know, retreats are good, day-longs are good, and then, of course, to make this your own requires you internalizing it, practicing it, and that practice takes practice. (laughs) So, um, well, thank you very much for coming today. Thank you for your patience with the challenging conditions and um, appreciate you uh, really showing up and and, uh, dropping into this beautiful place and uh, supporting each other to practice. So a couple of closing things. Um, If if you're here for CEs, please remember to sign out to get your slips. Um, And then if you can be great help to the caretaker staff. We, don't, we have very few staff right now for, on the maintenance, so um, if we could uh, stack all these blue cushions and mats um, maybe by where those folded tops are behind you, and if you could stack the chairs and maybe lean them against the fence over there by the bridge, that would be super helpful. And if people would like to um, shake out the tops and fold them up, that would be really, really appreciated. And anything else you can do to tidy up I'll stay behind if you have questions. Thank you very much for your practice. May this practice be for the welfare and the happiness of this beautiful earth and all the beings who are here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See you again. Happy Labor Day.